Jackson's monitor starts to go flatlining, and the nurse checks his pulse on his neck, checks his pulse on his feet, and says, there's no pulse. Um, Justin and I look at Jackson, and he was gone. Welcome to my first podcast episode. Well, my name is Chelsea to start out, and this is Beyond the Picket Fence with Chelsea B. And I'd like to call it the Vulnerability Project. I've had this concept rolling in my mind um, for probably a little bit over a year now, maybe even more, about how in in our lives we want to portray ourselves with the white picket fence, right? The white picket fence we see the neighbors or whatever with the white picket fence and everything looks so perfect and we either think to ourselves maybe their life is easier than ours or what are they doing that I'm not doing all of these silly thoughts that go through our head and what I've started to learn as I get to know more and more humans throughout my life is that everybody has a story beyond the picket fence and we have this person that we want people to see and to think of us when they think of us. But if we can get past the picket fence and move beyond deeper into people's lives, we can connect more wholeheartedly and the stories and the struggles and the ugliness behind that perfect picket fence is actually what makes life beautiful and helps us connect. Um, And what humans are ultimately seeking is that connection and that belonging. Um, So that's where this idea has come from. Um, A lot of it is, I don't know if anyone has seen Brene Brown's TED Talk about vulnerability, um, but I have been reading Daring Greatly. And there's just a few quotes. Let's see. On page 12 of Daring Greatly, it says, Vulnerability is the core, the heart, the center of meaningful human experiences. And I guess what I have to do, because the basis of this podcast is I'm just going to dive into the stories of humans just like you and me and see all the hardship and ugly behind their white picket fence, which is actually beautiful and helps us connect with one another but in order to have people feel comfortable with sharing and being vulnerable with me I feel like I have to start off by being vulnerable myself so this episode is basically my heart on my sleeve me being vulnerable which I actually feel like I've been blessed um, by God recently with vulnerability. I have never really hid who I am, um, but I guess I have to start with the the first question being, what is my picket fence? So to me, this is, what do I want people to see when they think Chelsea? And what I've always wanted since I was young is people to see a happy, always cheerful, always positive, um, in my mind, I would like to look classy with my eye, with my clothes ironed and my hair done perfect and the perfect makeup, um, beautiful, classy, put together. 
I want people to look at me and see my beautiful kids and think, wow, that mom has it all together and her kids are amazing. Look at them all dressed beautifully and she's just so happy. This is what my, you know, human brain wants me to portray. So I would say that is my picket fence. Um, But as some of you may know, maybe not all of you, but my picket fence started to crack. Um, Probably right after high school, I went through a little bit of time of depression a little bit because I'm from a small town and in my small town I was the president of the show choir and I had my act all together and I knew what I was going to be and then I auditioned for dance in college and I realized I really wasn't as good as I thought I was (laughs) and I just felt like I was losing all my friends and all of a sudden I didn't know who I am who I was or what I was wanting to be and my white picket fence started to crack a little bit. I ended up meeting my husband now, um, Justin, who we dated three and a half weeks and got married, which I was very unhappy about because I did not want to get married. I wanted to go to flight attendant school and travel and do all these things and not get married and have kids and be tied down. Um, So with that in the back of my mind, I did meet my husband, dated three and a half weeks, that's a story for another day in itself, but um, that's pretty fast to be engaged. And the first three years of my marriage were very, very hard. I did not know who I married. I did not know what I was doing. And there were many nights I cried in bed thinking, what did I get myself into? Because as a lot of people know, marriage is a lot trickier than um, I don't know. I felt like I was just going to get married and it was going to be beautiful and we were all going to live happily ever after and then again my white picket fence started to crack and we started um we just turned into roommates living together instead of humans connecting and it just got really difficult and finally there was a time when I just had to leave for two weeks and I just got out of there and we had to have the hard discussion. Um, Are we going to stay in this together or are we going to let each other go? So that was probably the first crack in my, really in my picket fence. I didn't want to be divorced and marriage was really hard, but we had a daughter, so we had to keep it all together. So that was like one of my, the biggest trials was coming into that with um, a man that I didn't really know and he has all brothers and I have all sisters so we're from completely different worlds I mean I asked him to go to the grocery store when we first got married and get me tampons um, cleaning products and laundry detergent and he came home with pads and Tide which I'm allergic to and he forgot the cleaner and that was just, I didn't know what we were going to do, which sounds so silly now, but I was just like, well, okay, we are in this together and we don't, we are not on the same page or communicating. Um, so yeah, then we had a daughter and then three years into marriage, we 
I, we separated for two weeks and kind of figured out what we wanted. And we both realized that we wanted to be in the ship. Um, like we consider marriage like a ship. And instead of be, both being in, we both had one foot out of the canoe or the ship and the other one in the canoe. And we were smacking each other with the paddles, keeping score, trying to see who was better, who was best, who did everything right. Um, so we both decided to put both feet in the canoe and start using our paddles to row together and working together and not trying to beat the other one down. And I do have to admit, I was very, very mean. I was not a nice wife and I don't. Now looking back, there were times when we were laying in bed and he's like, I feel sorry for you that um, you had to deal with me. And I said, I feel sorry that you had to deal with me. So after counseling and some other groups that we became part of, um, slowly but surely we figured ourselves out. So I also like to call this leveling up. So I feel like if you ever played Crash Bandicoot or anything like that, uh, you beat all the levels and then, you know, you level up and it gets harder and harder. Um, so that was just like this, a small beginning of where life didn't um, end up being how I wanted it to. And, you know, actually, that is where I met some of my most precious friends um, in the counseling and in the groups that we participated in. And being open with our struggles actually connected us deeper. Um, And I was able to make those connections, not only with my husband, but with other couples who were struggling with similar things. And being open and vulnerable and realizing that I wasn't always right helped helped my life get richer and beautiful and a few years of bliss and happiness you know goes by and um, most of you know that I had a son I so we had our daughter and then three years later when everything was all peachy keen um, we found out we were pregnant with a boy and we were so stoked and at 18 weeks pregnant they couldn't find the heart so they told me to come back um in two weeks and they would just find the heart and it'd all be fine well in that two weeks I we uh, in two weeks I went back and went to the doctor and they did the ultrasound and they I was you know just kidding around like oh how's it going and the ultrasound tech said you will have to talk to the doctor in the other room and right at that moment I knew something wasn't right and so I went in the other room and I sat there by myself and I just started to breathe and I didn't know what they were going to tell me well it turns out something was wrong with the heart and three weeks later at 23 weeks pregnant I found out that my son um, was going to be born with a heart defect and a couple other defects there was a lot of different confusing things Um, it's funny you think you would remember these things perfectly but as time goes on, it all starts to fade together. But basically the gist of it is that the main problem was that the middle wall of his heart was missing and therefore all of his blood was mixing and his lungs were going to be filling with fluid and he'd have to have a major heart surgery. Um, And I felt 
very scared and sad. And then um, in my religion, we we have what we call priesthood blessings. And my father gave me a blessing and of peace. And I just felt peace. And the rest of the pregnancy, I just felt peace. I mean, there was a little bit of nerves, but it was all still, you know, Chelsea trying to be happy and perfect and bubbly for everyone else. And it was all going to be great. And the survival rate was pretty good. So it was all just going to be fabulous. And we went in for the surgery. I wasn't really nervous. said goodbye to my baby, handed him off to the doctors. And... Um, he came out of surgery. It was kind of scary to see my baby in all those tubes, but I was still feeling that peace and comfort and I just knew everything was going to be fine. Uh, then it was the next, so we went to the Ronald McDonald house, spent the night and the next day we came back and everything was going fine. So we were just still doing uh, recovery and we were sitting in the room with the, respiratory therapist and our nurse and we were all just kind of joking around having fun me Justin the respiratory therapist and our nurse and he was doing great recovering so well that they were going to take out his breathing tube so at this point they had to lower the sedation to be able to get that breathing tube out that he could start breathing on his own and waking up and healing so they lowered the sedation and the respiratory therapist just barely like jiggled his tubes um, to try to get kind of the condensation down and monitors started ringing which all of a sudden uh, Jackson's monitor starts to go flatlining and the nurse checks his pulse on his neck checks his pulse on his feet and says there's no pulse um, Justin and I look at Jackson and he was gone he was completely gone and he was blue and we instead of going out of the room because the doors open they pushed the code blue button uh, started CPR he did have to get shocked um, six times and we had no control no power nothing we could do was gonna help and instead of backing out of the room we backed further into the room um, just to let everyone in. But we sat there for 36 minutes as Jackson received CPR. Um, we listened to the ultrasound guy who was had a echo. I guess it's called an echo when it's on your heart. Um, the echo tech ha- every once in a while would check the echo on his heart and would say no cardiac activity, no cardiac activity. And then they would keep doing um, CPR, push epi. Um, It was so surreal. And though it was only 36 minutes, it felt like a lifetime. And the chaplain came, asked if he could come in and was praying over us. And this is when my white picket fence crumbled and fell completely down we went home that night well to the ronald mcdonald house that night and i just cried and i just completely lost it i in my mind my son was dead even though they revived him and he was okay i disconnected from life i 
my son had died and I didn't want to get too close to this child because he was going to die in my mind and I just knew it and that moment I lost my happy Chelsea and I had no positivity no half glass full um her glass half full that's funny that I just said that <laughs> anyway um my universe was just shattered and I had never had this amount of grief or trauma or anything like that up upon me or in my life so far so I I mean the story goes on we were in the hospital for three months and there's a lot I could tell you but basically the vulnerable part of me is just I just couldn't be happy-go-lucky Chelsea all the time anymore I I couldn't find myself and it was really really dark and anyone who has had sick children can understand that it's just really dark and you there's nothing you could do and you would take their place if you could um then eventually so after three months we he got he got a second heart surgery and we were able to get out of the hospital but because he had been on the morphine and drugs for so long he had withdrawals for about three months so even after we left the hospital it was very difficult and I just had such a hard time finding happiness and connecting and getting through all of that and I think on the outside I I tried to keep everyone updated on Facebook and everything um, but I would get on these Facebook groups with heart moms and they would be so positive and faithful and courageous and just amazing and I I couldn't I had I had to get completely off of Facebook I couldn't I couldn't be happy. I couldn't pretend to be happy. I couldn't ask for advice or receive advice. I just wanted to mourn the loss of, you know, the idea in my mind. And that's when it clicked. Um, I did some coaching calls with Jody Moore, who is amazing. She also has a podcast, so I highly recommend um, you look for Jody Moore's podcast. Um, but I learned about clean pain, and I realized my whole life I had been stuffing pain and pretending it wasn't there just because I needed to make sure that I stayed happy and positive for everyone and myself because that's who I am and what am I you know who's gonna like me if I'm not happy bubbly Chelsea all the time um but this is where depth and beauty came into my life is that I felt like I now feel like whenever there's other heart moms or anyone anyone who's struggling it is okay to have emotions. I have grown so, so much and matured so, so much that I now have balance and peace. I'm still not perfect. I still would like to, you know, look like the perfect mom or whatever, but I just embrace the now and I have become such a vulnerable person. You can know me within five minutes. I will tell you my struggles, my joys, my mess ups, anything. I'm I'm kind of a hot mess. I'm really unorganized and my house is not always clean. I usually have dishes in the sink and laundry all over my house and sometimes trash. And it's just, it's just, 
there's no white picket fence in my house anymore. I have torn my white picket fence down and I want to start the movement of everyone tearing their white picket fences down. So instead of looking at the house across the street and judging or wishing that you could be like them or judging them that they're not good enough or any of anything like that, if we just tear all of our white picket fences down and grab hand in hand and listen to each other's stories, whether it be addiction, whether it be a loss of a child, um, what else? Whether it be struggling with cancer or addiction or marriage problems or affairs, adoption, fertility, infertility, what else? There's just so many things that we call private and want to keep to ourselves because only some will understand, which is true. But I feel like I've always had this yearning to sit down with every person that I meet and just see their story. When I see people walking through the grocery store and I just wonder, what is their story? Who have they lost? What have they lost? Um, What are they going through? And how can I connect with that? Because that is where we will find the deeper human connection, not through all of this political fighting and judgment towards each other. But if we could all connect on a human level, um, then we could all seek and get that wholeheartedness and that we can learn from each other and grow and support each other when we need it. So that is what this project is about. This is my vulnerability project. Um, So I hope you'll follow along with me as we journey through Uh, with however many people um, I can interview where we can dig deep down into the hard things, the vulnerable things, but see how actually those things are what make life full. So that is a little bit about me and my vulnerability. I'm sure there's some stuff that I may have forgotten or didn't dig deep into, but over time, I'm sure you'll learn a lot about me and I'm just excited. I can't wait to get into the stories of those that I love and look up to and aspire to be like, even though they've gone through hard things, especially because they've gone through hard things. I can't wait to hear others' stories, and I hope you find as much joy and enlightenment as I do in those of those humans that I meet. So... I'm excited that you're here with me to journey beyond the picket fence, and I'll see you next time. Bye now.